Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra Studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode 19. This is our look at the upcoming week two of the divisional playoff action across the NFL. In just a moment, we're going to get to our news of the week, but first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator, Attridge. How are you doing, Matty? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it It was a good weekend in football. Um, some exciting games, unless you only saw the Bills and Jaguars game. That was a snoozer. Um, They actually had, I was sorry, just as you were mentioning that, I was, they they hit the, so there were 17 punts in the game and 13 points scored. So do the math. (laughs) Uh, But there was a, uh, there was an exciting uh, BCS championship game, which went to the wee hours of the morning. Of course, Saban comes Uh, out on top again. Yeah, yeah. As much as it pains me to say so, he, he looked like the uh, the better coach, and uh, he proved it once again. And when we were on the phone the other night, we were even talking about you know like how it has to be a coach with that much uh, legacy behind him to be able to say at halftime, "I'm taking the guy out that's 25 and two and tossing in a rookie." <laughs> oh, absolutely! Like. <laughs> I don't know who would even think of doing that. I mean, yeah, you would get a lot of backlash if that backfired, but um, yeah, that well, rookie, pretty much any other coach, if that backfires, he gets fired. Yeah. In a um, national per- championship game, like that's, that's chutzpah in the first degree right there. Well, that kid looked good, man. <laughs> that kid looked good. He did. Oh, he's, and people are talking about Saban maybe going to the Giants and stuff like that. There's no uh, way no that way. Saban's going to the Giants when he's got a freshman that can play like that and a stacked roster full of like sophomores and freshmen that are, that he's got another couple of years with. Well, every time someone came on the field, it was, oh, this is another rookie. This is another rookie. Yeah. And they um, didn't look like it. No, they didn't. I, I wish I could pronounce that kid's name. Um, but Tua. you know what? He re- I just call him Tua. 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 I think that's probably going to be his, his new handle in the league. But he reminded me of uh, a young John Elway. Yeah, I don't no know. If it was just making plays. <clears throat> I don't know if it was the left-handed toss, but you know, he was kind of a bigger guy that could pick up uh, yardage on his legs. But he's got this fluid throwing motion. Uh, that last touchdown, holy crap! That was uh, that was impressive. Yeah, especially under that kind of pressure. Yeah, I felt sorry for their kicker, but, you know, at least he got a championship under his belt. He probably won't make the NFL, but uh, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, Now, we actually, we're talking about the end of the game. What about the beginning of the game before it even started at the National Anthem? Donald Trump was there, seemed to not know the words to the National Anthem. I mean, he was standing for it. I'll give him credit for that. It's almost Uh, par for the course now, isn't it, though? The guy is (laughs) non-copus mentis. Like straight up, man. I think he's just, he's like what Reagan was in the last couple of years of his presidency. He's just batshit fucked. How about the last couple of years of his life? Yeah. Um, now, it, you, okay, it was in November that you saw GNR play, right? It was. So, you know, they've been together over 30 years. They're getting up in, in, in age. But did Axel Rose forget the words to Paradise City at all? No, he did not. Although I will say this, I went and saw I was I saw Black Sabbath. This would have been in the nineties. And yeah. Ozzy actually forgot the words to Iron Man. <laughs> no way, really. Yeah. All right. Well, 
he's kind of got an excuse for that. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. All right. Um, so as far as our picks go, we were perfect on the in the AFC ones, picking the Bills and uh, and the Titans against the spread. Uh, came up snake eyes in the other conference. Um, kind of an impressive Atlanta win, and I thought you know if any underdog was going to do it, they would be the ones. Um, I thought Tennessee would cover. I didn't expect them to win outright though, so that was an interesting game. That was very interesting, and, and Andy Reid dropping another playoff game. And this one, man, they had Ooh. it. They had it at halftime. Like all they had to do was keep it up. Well, that's you know vintage Andy Reid. You know, you get your first twenty twenty five plays scripted. As soon as they run out, wow! Watch out. Like if you hire him as a head coach in a big game, what you've got to do is put a straitjacket on him in the third and fourth quarter so that he doesn't get his hands around his throat and choke it out. <laughs> well, I did learn a few things this week watching football. And what's that? Um, well, it, it is possible to throw a ball, catch it yourself, and run it in for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, just like they practiced that play all week long. Yeah, and I also learned that it is possible to win a playoff game when your quarterback runs for more yards than he throws for. Yeah, Blake looked sharp, didn't he? <laughs> 88 to 87. That was, wow. Now, it doesn't officially start until later in February, but 2018 is the year of the dog, according to the Chinese calendar. And uh, lo and behold, all four dogs won last week. So not saying spoiler alert, but let's um, let's see what that plays out for this week. Well, before that, let's get to news of the week, shall we? Uh, we shall. After his team's 10-3 win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end Yannick Nakui said Richie Incognito used racial slurs during the game. Quote, great win today and 64. You're going to have to come harder than some weak racist slurs. I'm proud of my African heritage as are 70% of the black players in this league. Hashtag I ain't Jonathan Martin. Uh, well, a member of the Miami Dolphins, he harassed teammate Jonathan Martin and eventually caused him to leave the team. His bullying included several racial taunts against the tackle, as well as the use of the N-word in a voicemail, as per Barry Pacheski of Deadspin. Quote, I'm not racist, the veteran said, uh, according to Jay Glazer of Fox Sports. And to judge me by that one word is wrong. Um, what? What, what other words would you use to judge him by? Because last I checked, that's kind of the worst one. Here goes. Listen closely. Because I may never say this shit again. The one time white people could say nigga. Okay. If it's Christmas Eve, and it's between 4.30 and 4.49 in the morning, if you white and you on your way to Toys R Us, to get your kid the last Transformer doll. And right before you walk in the Toys R Us, some black person runs up beside you, smacks you in the head with a brick, knocks you to the ground, stomps you in the face, kicks at your crack-ass motherfucker, takes your money, pisses on you, and runs away. If you white at that moment, you can say, somebody stop that nigga! Yeah, let me tell you something. If someone comes out with the quote, I am not a racist, that person is probably a racist who's going to tell you that he has black friends. 
<laughs> his peers once voted him the league's dirtiest player, and he has a reputation for being a bully that goes back to his time at playing at Nebraska. Well, I didn't realize that there was a Senate seat open in the South, but it sounds to me like someone's going to make a run for office in 2018. All right, our next story has a Japanese kayaker, Yashiuri Suzuki, who's been handed an eight-year ban after spiking rival Seiji Kamatsu's drink so he would fail a drug test. Per ESPN, the Japan Anti-Doping Agency revealed on Tuesday that Suzuki spiked Kamatsu's drink with an anabolic steroid back in September at the national championships. An investigation was sparked when Kamatsu failed a doping test and was disqualified from the 2017 Canoe Sprint Japan Championships, but denied taking drugs. Suzuki, 32, subsequently admitted to spiking his drink. And per Japanese public broadcaster NHK, he told Federation officials he was frustrated and did not think he could win. That is a unique idea and a lot more civil than what Tanya Harding hatched. If I were any NFL team playing in Cleveland next season, I would be double-checking the Gatorade bucket for roofies in LSD. This past week, actress, celebrity, and professional kook Gwyneth Paltrow taught us all how to supercharge our detoxes with a coffee enema. The device... Uh, to do it is actually called an implantorama and is retailing for 135 bucks. Let me tell you something. There is no way in hell I'm putting anything called an implantorama up my ass and shooting coffee into my colon. It kind of sounds like something that Tom Brady's nutrition guru have tried. Yeah, then it's probably a good thing that the hoodie banned him from the locker room. I don't care if Walter Payton, sweetness himself comes to me in a dream and tells me how awesome it is. I'll keep the coffee out of my ass and in my mug where it belongs. Besides, I'm more into the Homer Simpson cleanse. Hey, Apu, you got any of those potato chips that give you diarrhea? I need to do a little spring cleaning. Let's fire it up with our weekly picks. All right, the first game on the docket features the Falcons of Atlanta going into a very hostile environment in Philadelphia where the Eagles are three-point underdogs. Yeah, how about that, man? A three-point dog, and they're the, home, they're the home team in the playoffs. It, it's never happened before. We're a, uh, a it's never seated, happened before, ever? The top-seeded team is a, an underdog. Nope. That is not, bizarre. Not in their first game. So, obviously, that's because of Nick Foles, which... I don't know if people's memories failed them, but you know he had that season where he went. I don't know when he had like twenty-two touchdowns and I think one it was pick tw- or something. I think it was twenty-five and two. 25 25 and two. One pi- <clears throat> two picks. Yeah, That's- so we, let's put it this way: he's not that bad. <laughs> and you know what? What that says about him too is he can take advantage of the shots in the end zone, but he's not giving the ball away to the other team. And with a de- no. defense like Phillies, that's yeah. a good thing. Well, the defense and also the running game. You know, they got Jay Ajayi for a reason during the season. Um, they're going to be amped up. They're, uh, you know, they're on two weeks of rest, and technically, I guess week seventeen, they they rested a few of their players near the end of the game. So, call it, yeah. They're oh, going to be healthy. Defense is going to have to turn in a serious performance to win this game. Yeah, but it wasn't even Atlanta's defense that, you know, that um, that won last week against the Rams. It was their 
their offense and special teams. Yeah, and it was true. more more of a failing of the Rams special teams. Um, yeah, their defense played all right, but the Rams just couldn't get anything together. And um, Now this game is not on friendly turf. This is, you know, uh, at the Veterans Stadium or whatever they want to call it nowadays. And it's outside, right? And it's outside, and the game time temperature is just around the freezing mark. I think it's going to be around 31 degrees uh, kickoff. Now, if you're going to make an argument for Atlanta and against Nick Foles, so the last time a quarterback won a playoff game after starting three or few regular season games was in 1997, over 20 years ago. Do you know who that quarterback was, Matty? Randall Cunningham. For the Vikings, that's right. Um, so you have to go back quite a quite a few years to find an instance like that. But um, I'm I don't think they're going to miss a beat. I like uh, I like the Eagles here, especially as home dogs, and especially at a field goal. That seems like a gift. I mean, I, I figure they're going to win it outright. I don't think the spread will come into play. So uh, yeah, I think three the money points line. is a gift as well, man. I, being home dogs too, that's going to add a lot of fuel to their fire as far as bulletin board material. No football mm-hmm. player likes going into their like to being the number one seed, and because one guy's out, because you got to remember, the media looks at it like the quarterback's out. Oh, we're screwed. However, teams look at it like, hey, man, there's a whole shitload of other guys on this team that made things happen, and we're not about to let anybody else dictate to us whether or not we're going to lose or win a game, especially at home. Yeah. Um, Fletcher Cox was talking about them being an underdog this week and um, look for him to have a, I think he's pretty mad. I think he's pretty mad about the whole thing. So yeah, I think this, the story of this game is going to be the Eagles defense and their ability to get pressure on Matt Ryan. So we're taking the Eagles plus three. We are taking the Eagles plus three. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, we go to Foxborough. And, uh, wow, New England, 13-point favorites at home against the Tennessee Titans. 13.5 points now, according to the spread update that just showed up on my teleprompter. Yeah, I mean... How much of this soap opera between Belichick, Brady, and Robert Kraft is accurate and how it will affect them on the field? Sorry, Tom, we can't allow your avocado and quinoa coach on a plane anymore. Sorry, Bill, we don't want you to have a security blanket or a future quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo. Sorry, Mr. Kraft, I'm Tom Brady and you're not. Don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. First off, let me say, the the report on ESPN... um, I'm not going to say it's fallacious or what. Uh, what's that catchphrase that one guy uses? Oh, right, fake news. <laughs> um, but it is exaggerated by a lot. Like, come on, it's 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 not that bad. Um, yeah, they make it sound like everybody in Foxborough just needs a coffee enema to relax. Yeah, and even if he, even if it's part right, here's the mathematician in me. It says that Robert Kraft plus Billy Belichick plus some really loose sports reporting equals FU mode for Tom Brady. Full out FU mode. I mean, what else is he going to do? He's angry, and his favorite emotional outlet is to embarrass other NFL defenses and bend them to his will. Use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let the hate flow through you. So if you've been following injury reports since week 11, the word Achilles appears next to Tom Brady's name. 
Since that revelation, his passer rating was 87.3. His completion percentage was just below 62, which makes this his worst stretch in the last six games of the season since 2009. So in those six games, he threw 10 touchdown passes and six picks. Moral numbers by his standards, but most quarterbacks in the league would be happy to have them. Now, by comparison, in the first 10 games of the season, 22 touchdowns and two INTs. So let's look at that to be a factor um, as uh, Dick LeBeau dials up his defensive schemes. But let's turn, yeah, let's turn to the other side. You got Dick LeBeau versus Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, by the way, if you don't know, he's the bearded guy who keeps a number two pencil behind his ear while he's holding a laminated play card. Well, that's great if he's also going to go take the SAT right after as well. He's got his proper pencil. It's good for you, Matt Patricia, you fucking nerd. And, you know, they're horrible against the pass. In fact, they're ranked 30th in the league. Now, fortunately for them, Tennessee doesn't pass the ball very well. Uh, but they're also not too good against the rush, 20th in the league. And the last I checked, the Titans have a Heisman Trophy winner in the backfield and Derrick Henry, who just put up 156 against the Chiefs which was good for 6.8 yards a carry. Uh, also, newsflash, Mariota can run the ball when he needs to as well. Yeah, better than he can throw it. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Let's go back a year, six or 12 months. And if you remember, right before the Super Bowl, it was announced that Kyle Shanahan would be the new head coach for the 49ers. Good for us. But you got to imagine that was a bit of a distraction during the week in terms of preparation, um, and, and dialing up play calling schemes. Now you have both Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia in the same conversations to be head coaches elsewhere in the league. So what's that going to mean for Patriots preparation leading up to the game and their abilities to make in-game adjustments? Cause we saw what happened to the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I do think that uh, that does come into play when coaches are looking at leaving. You know, you've got one foot out the door. It's not that they don't want the Super Bowl, but it is a distraction, and they've got to be all hands on deck if you're going to be playing in the championship game, right? But yeah. um, my problem with this is the spread. I really mm -hmm. think 13 and a half points. Like, I, I, it's for Tennessee to win this game, wow, they've got to do something really special. But the. To, to cover 13 and a half points like that's yeah. especially the way they played last week that's a huge disrespectful number well it is it, it is very disrespectful there's not a person under the sun that i've heard this week that's given them even a snowball's chance in hell of winning yeah um and if they can so, control the ball on the ground like they did last week that takes the ball out of brady's hands quite a bit yeah they had a uh, a five and a half point uh advantage in the time of possession against the chiefs Right? So and they once can keep again, Brady, yeah. that, that doesn't necessarily mean they win the game, but it's going to be hard for Brady to cover by almost two touchdowns. Especially with that Achilles heel. Yeah. So I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm favoring Tennessee in this game to cover the spread, not necessarily to win outright, but I think they can cover that. No, but there are some good money line odds out there if, uh, if you're interested. But uh, no, my, my, my pick's going to be the Titans of Tennessee, and there you go. <laughs> Game time, now we ready to roll. Yeah. Still a boys, and we ready to blow. Yeah. On a mission just to grab that trophy. And if you didn't know, we got the best of coaches. Whoa. Nothing less than the Super Bowl. Uh. We bringing it back to the city for show. So bow down, it's the black and the gold. Yeah. All right, to Heinz Field we go. The Pittsburgh Steelers, seven and a half point favorites against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's either seven, seven and a half, floating back and forth. Let's let's call it seven for now. I think that was the most recent one I saw. But if I were Doug Marone, the coach of the Jaguars, I would make certain that there was a Chad Henney sighting in Pennsylvania on Sunday. The only thing keeping Jacksonville from having a real shot at this is having a real quarterback under center. Everything else on the team is in place. If you want to talk about an emotional lift, Ryan Shazier showed up to the Steelers practice this week in a wheelchair to cheer the team on. Wow, that that was going to be huge for them. Um, they are the type of team that, that does need sort of an emotional kick in the pants every now and then. Um, and they, they love often, playing in prime time. They love playing in well, they. I don't know whether they love it. They do it often enough, that's for sure. Um, in week five, um, the Jags were in Pittsburgh, and they beat them. 30 to nine. Um, that was the game where Big Ben threw five interceptions, very Blake Bortlesque. But Jacksonville is actually four and one against the spread in the last five that they played at Heinz Field. Um, tell me your opinions on this, Matt. Well, let's get this straight. Big Ben's not throwing five intercep- interceptions this game. That, Probably not. That was, you know, a statistical anomaly, and it's not going to happen. So Jacksonville is going to have to score some points. And they couldn't score points against Buffalo. I don't know how they're going to do it against Pittsburgh. It's especially the way, like if 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 the Steelers' offense is running like it's on all cylinders, Big Ben's got all his outlets, Le'Veon Bell's doing his thing. It's going to be very tough, very tough for um, Jacksonville even to cover this spread. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just have flashbacks of the way that that defensive secondary played against Buffalo. And I know it's Buffalo, but those guys looked like they practiced the tip drill about 25 hours a day. Yeah, they, they did look very exceptional. And they've been playing well all year long. It's not just a fluke. No, it's not. And the, what I found surprising was how ineffectual Leonard Fournette was. I mean, I think he was rushing for two and a half yards per carry. It was... And he wasn't. They weren't even using him on certain series, and I don't. I don't know if that was just game planning or there was something wrong with him. But I, I don't really see him having two games in a row like that. That's um, true. The fact, the fact that Bortles had to run for for eighty eight. I mean, he did what he needed to do to get the W. Um, but when you're only throwing up ten points on the Bills, who's they have a reputation of a great defense, but it's not that good. Um, oh my gosh. Like I think Pittsburgh I can score twenty one to twenty four this game, well seventeen let's say on the low end. No, I think no, that's I think that's that's about right. I think that's about right. Uh, I, I'd say the Jags' defense is good for for a major. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, definitely help them with the field position battle as well. Keep short fields. I you know Ben's obviously going to be rifling the ball downfield to Brown and, and Juju Smith Schuster and Martavis yeah. Bryant. And you got to expect that Lev Bell is going to get close close to thirty touches um, passing and uh, rushing. But whew. all right, yeah. There's no sorry recency effect aside. There's no way that I can support Blake Bortles at anything uh, anything more than a touchdown. So um, give me the home team Steelers at seven points. It was a one-hot, one-point line for the people in 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 a one-hot, one-point line for the people in
Last but not least, the Minnesota Vikings are four and a half point favorites at home against uh, the New Orleans Saints, who are looking good. Yeah, well, these are two teams built to play on turf inside the safe confines of a dome, which is exactly where this one's being played. Uh, Vikings have done nothing but play good old-fashioned smath football all season long. They run the ball down your throat. They don't give anything up on defense. Um, they actually have faced each other this year back in week one. Uh, the Vikings won 29-19. Two teams that were trying to figure out exactly who they were, so let's not put too much credit into that uh, in terms of predict- predictability for this game. But the Vikings are second in the league uh, defensively on both passing and rushing. By contrast, the Saints are 15th and 16th, respectively, in the same categories. You would think, Maddie, after a physical game like the one they played against the Panthers, they're going to be a little banged up, right? Yeah, well, for sure. Like Minnesota not only had a bye week, but no offense to you, Maddie, but they played the Bears in week 17. So, so they've essentially had almost three weeks of rest. Uh, they're going to come out crisp and clean on this one. But, but, here's the but. The Saints won against the good Carolina defense when Kamara and Ingram collectively rushed for 45 yards. Yeah, Breeze threw uh, 376 through the air, which he can always do. He uh, he hasn't had to do that this, this often this year, but he's got the capability of doing so. So you can imagine what that offense would look like if they actually get their ground game going. Oh, yeah, if they and, get their one-two punch at, uh, at, at running back going and Breeze is connecting, Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the, the the week off or the two weeks off, whatever, it's it's good. There's going to be a little rust in the first quarter, especially like. Well, Case Keenum's know, a pretty young guy, too. He's a pretty young guy. And how much playoff experience does that team have? Not a lot, really. Not as when much as Patty Ice. Well, not as much as. Not as much as Drew Brees. Drew Brees and, um, you know, Sean Payton, uh, they've, they've got a couple rings. Um, well one each, but <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's all you need. But I think they've got a little bit more ex- uh, experience in the playoffs. So the fact that they're on the road really, I mean, I know it's, they're going into the place that's hosting the Super Bowl. Uh, Minnesota wants to be the first uh, home team in the Super Bowl. Now that I actually, I just checked the ticker myself. That, that number has gone from four and a half to five. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of money in Minnesota. There's yeah, a lot see, of money in Minnesota. This, this makes I I don't like Minnesota that high, man. I, I don't take I don't Minnesota either. minus three. Yeah. That's where yeah, I would it, buy Minnesota. It, yeah, and I've got I've I've can envision this game going to overtime and being decided by a field goal. Yep. I really can. Um uh, there's just too many scenarios that play out. Like, say Minnesota's up ten points in the fourth quarter. You know, Breeze comes in with a backdoor touchdown. All right, you covered the spread. Yep. I uh, mm, I was liking the Vikings all season long, and for good reason. I think they covered the spread more more than any other team. Um, I think they're six and two at home, which is only bettered by the Jets against the spread. Um, I'm going to go against the green here, and I'm going to take I'm going to take the Saints. Yeah, I'm with you on that, buddy. Saints plus four and a half. 
Well, let's call oh, it five. Oh, sorry, for now, plus five. That's right. Well, we'll we'll update it as uh, as needed, but um, that's going to definitely be the game of the weekend. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a that should really be the the NFC Championship match, but it's not. Yeah, it um, should be. That would be a great game. Well, it is going to be a great game. Yeah. So in the NFC, yeah, we got uh, we got the home team Eagles who are underdogs. We got the visiting Saints who are underdogs. We like the only home team favorite that we like is uh, are the Steelers because we've got the Titans on the road with the thirteen and a half points in our back pocket. Well, thank you to all our fans for listening to episode nineteen of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and all of Andy's picks from the Week 2 playoff games across the NFL. Make sure you join us next week where we'll break down the conference championships from the Cosa Nostra Studios. For Andy, the prognosticator, Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you didn't like our podcast, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara.
Yeah.